0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of My Life in Games with Silas and Sage. And I have to say, it has been a little bit since the last show due to, you know, holidays, work, and, of course, the life part and the My Life in Games. <laughs> oh, We have those? But anyway, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, we have lives that, unfortunately, you know, some things take over other parts of your existence. <laughs>
1: the IRL is real.
0: Uh, yeah, it is very real and sometimes scary,
1: <laughs> frightening.
0: Uh, so, Sage, since it has been a little while, uh, of course, um, as we know from last time, you went full time streaming and things like that. So, uh, obviously, you've been you've been busy uh, as that is your work now. Um, but aside from that, like, what games have you been playing, streaming, and you know, all this good catching up to do, uh, things Man. like that? What's relevant it, in Sage's life? <laughs> yeah,
1: it is. It has been a wild. December, December has been a crazy month for me. Uh, but if I could say that the the full time stream life has kind of kicked in, then it would be in December. And what I've what I've found is that uh, it kicked in so hard that I didn't have the infrastructure ready to handle it. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> so it's really been a uh, it's been a a foot race uphill uh when the streams aren't on to put things in place to support our our growing community so but um all of it's good you know it's all good stress it's all good um busyness and that's been really great um what's also fueled that has been uh, the divisions update 1.8 and uh, i've heard good things yeah we've got a lot of People that had disappeared back in the 1.3 days, of course, that's back in, you know, year one, early year one, 1.3. And, uh, and uh, so it's, it's really interesting to see a lot of people returning to the game and playing it religiously again. And then there's this influx of new people that have never played The Division. They're like, should I pick it up? And for a little bit there, I think Ubisoft had it uh, uh, across all platforms the deluxe version was like 60% off. So you could pick it up with all the DLC for super cheap and you can still get it super cheap. So the Division has been taking up um, 100% of my stream time because um, it's it's inducting these new agents into uh, the Division community and uh, showing them the ropes and getting them involved with, with communities wherever they are because um, a lot of people don't know. A lot of people really don't know, and they're they're coming into stream and they're asking a lot of great questions. So uh, i i would I would like to say that there's been time for other games. There's been uh, since uh, an Assassin's Creed update. There's been uh, what else? Battlefront update. And I just have not had the time to venture out and enjoy them. So, uh, but the division has really been an amazing. Uh, way to spend time right now and uh, more classified sets have been introduced uh, for new exotic weapons and uh, not to mention more PVE area. There's dedicated four versus four skirmish uh, there's rogue 2.0, the good, the bad, and and uh, perhaps some of the ugly of that, but still it's a draw for new players to come in and see what is this new rogue 2.0 mechanic all about in the dark zone, uh, not to mention horde mode, uh, which is called resistance. And uh, a revamp of the underground, which now has hunters and uh, spawn points and uh, revitalized maps. It's really a huge update that has expanded all corners of the game, except for survival mode. If you're a fan of survival, it's not really, it's not really <laughs> anything new in survival. But um, yeah, it's been living the division life. I don't think I've left Manhattan. Uh, in game or in my dreams, <laughs> I played it so much I'm dreaming about it, but it's been good um, the the influx of people coming into the division has has uh, fed the the stream It's fed the communities uh, across the division as a whole. Uh, there's a lot of people uh, new players that aren't content creators and new players that are huge content creators. And uh, bringing in, you know, twenty seven to 40,000 viewers per stream are streaming The Division. There was a couple of nights where The Division was uh, in the top five in the U.S. for being which streamed is, and, and watching. Which is
0: pretty good for a game that's uh, on its second year. Yeah. Third going, year, almost, yeah.
1: Yeah. At the end of the second year, and uh, everybody's asking, is there going to be year two content, or is there going to be uh, or a year three content? Or is there going to be a Division two so um yeah, there's been some interesting goings on and that's that's basically where my head has been at. So yeah, lots of division. Wow.
0: Wow. Well that's good and, and in a way that kind of speaks for itself that um it's going this time and, and it's picked back up that the developers have put um the publisher put that much support behind it to keep the game going instead of doing like, uh, you know, a lot of games do, you know, sans call of duty and the like yearly releases and just, okay, you know, um, we're going to sell you this, this, this pass for a year, scram, you know, grab a bunch of money out, out of you. And then, okay, well next year's up. So, uh, buy another $60 game, even though the last content for this one just came out three months ago.
1: Mm-hmm. You spend sixty dollars for a new map pack, basically.
0: <clears throat> yeah, yeah. We we took and we, you know, we added a couple new textures and some new maps, and here's sixty bucks for it. So um, I think this this speaks well. It would be nice if I'm not you know, I know that division has definitely had its uh its ups and downs, but it's nice to see games where their longevity is is supported and it's not just okay. Next year, new new iteration. Uh so you know that's I think that speaks volumes. Um, i agree for me there's been a lot i've been playing into obviously before our last cast um um or after our last cast excuse me you know i was uh, you know i had talked about being excited for a few things when of course you know we were going to play um some star wars battlefront and things like that and um i think we'd actually played it a little bit before we recorded our last uh episode but we didn't really talk about it because we wanted to have a little more time with it and we have so i want to get into that um in a minute. But first, uh, I did get into the one game I was really excited for, which is uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 on the Switch. Um, I'm not going to get into this too much right this second, but I've been enjoying the living crap out of it when I have had time to play. Unfortunately, uh, work messing with my schedule. I haven't touched it this last week. In fact, I have touched zero video games whatsoever because of work flipping my schedule around. I, worked, um, I, guess I normally work a later... A.M. shift into the into the evening, and then I got switched to early mornings for like a week and a half. And then all of a sudden, they said, "Hey, we're putting you on the overnight shift," and I had to flip to overnights. As you can imagine, this also didn't do well for my streaming schedule nor my sleep. Um, so, unfortunately, I've been trying to adjust to all that. And then not um, long after getting uh, put on the late shift, I also uh, got sick. And so that's kind of why I haven't really streamed. That's also why we haven't recorded that and, of course, the holidays and everything. So there's just been a lot going on in life. Um, but when we do get to our little bit about Xenoblade, I've definitely got a, a lot to say there. I've had a lot of fun with it. Um, I've got 105 hours in since its release, if that says anything. <laughs>
1: <laughs> how close are you to being finished? Just curious. How, I how far say about, would you about,
0: say? Through? About halfway.
1: Oh, that is phenomenal. God, that takes me back to the good old days of MMORPGs. I, mean, I could, PGs I could, general.
0: I probably could go through it faster. Um, but um, I, I'm doing a lot of the uh, side stuff, not necessarily because I have to, because uh, I want to, because some of it's fun and some of the story is interesting and whatnot. But uh, we'll get to that. So, Star Wars in general, <laughs> in Battlefront 2, since we kind of, didn't record when we originally planned to, to kind of talk about that. Uh, you did, uh, even though you're playing a lot of division now, you did play the base game upon release uh, as did I, you played through the solo campaign and finished it. Correct. I did. Um, and I, of course I put through the solo campaign and I've actually played through the add on part of the campaign that was supposed to lead into the, or not necessarily lead into, but have a slight tie into the star Wars movie that just came out, which I've also went to the theaters and saw. I've got some, Thoughts there, but let's start with Battlefront Two. <laughs> mm. Um, so Battlefront Two, um, for me, um, I I kind of had different expectations for Battlefront Two than I think a lot of people did. I didn't, and I, and I know I brought this up in the uh, in the previous episode that I mostly I wanted to play the single player. That was my big draw. Um, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have bought it on release. Um, and of course, as we all know by now. Unless you've been living under a, a gaming rock somewhere, uh, Battlefront 2 has received a lot of bad, negative, negative, negative things. And of course, um, you know, they were, Dice was quick to respond and kind of pull the loot crates and, and all of that things, which is great and all, but it still doesn't take away from the fact of the incredible amount of bad press that it got. And from then on, people went in with a bad attitude at it, which kind of sucks because overall, it's actually a very, very well polished game. It plays pretty nice. The controls are. Are nice and I've enjoyed the storyline, albeit kind of short, but that's that's just how FPS single player uh, campaigns work. And for being an FPS single player campaign, it was actually kind of on the longer side, to be honest. Um, but then again, I played it on what, the s- normal or the second hardest difficulty whatever not the hardest difficulty but one below that uh at any rate you know and i went through it and i enjoyed it and you know i kind of went through it i think in a few playstations i in less than a week i cleared cleared through it I think it was like four or five days something like that a few hours each day but i had a good time with it i enjoyed the story for what it was i thought they did a very good job representing um you know the characters really well that bringing in the new ones and of course uh you had enough feeling um in particular when it came to a uh, certain uh characters that ended up being just some really really bad douchebags uh that you know you didn't like them (laughs) and and that's that's good that uh that you feel that and um i think luke was represented well in the game and how he was as far as after uh what would be return of the jedi and whatnot and what he was doing they did a good job that way um in the battlefront 2 solo story even though you only saw a little bit of him it was still it was enough and it made sense and it was good So I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the single player campaign. I did play a little bit of the multiplayer and I felt that was definitely improved from the first battlefront game by a lot. Um, it was definitely a lot easier, at least for me to jump into it and be able to play without just constantly getting demolished 30 seconds in or, you know, other (laughs) issues happening where it was just taking too long to really feel like I was getting somewhere. I felt like the pacing is a little bit better on this one, but uh, I haven't jumped in recently. Um, I did really, really enjoy the um, heroes versus villains this time around. We're in the first game, mm, not so yeah. much, but in this one, it felt good. It felt pretty good. I mean, yeah, the heroes, I know there's some people complaining because they were weakened quite a bit, but I don't know. If, if. I think it just it feels more fair, I guess. I don't know. They're not just like, you're not just super you know, like unstoppable, unless you're like the worst player on the planet, you know, it's, it's a little bit more even now you got to actually think a little bit and be tactical with the carrot, with whichever hero or villain you're using. And it was a lot of fun. Um, how was it? Uh, yeah. So how was it for you, Sage? I mean, what was your thoughts on it? <clears throat> well, As someone who's really excited for it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, to the point where I pre-ordered it and, uh, and I wasn't disappointed with it at all. I went into it after seeing Rogue One, I saw Rogue One very, very late, and um, and I'll leave it there. And I I'll say that I was craving a more traditional Star Wars story, um, with uh, with the lows that get go go high, and and the bad guys that turn into good guys, and you know the the betrayals, and I, I just I was looking for something that was straightforward and a traditional. Star Wars story. And to me, the Battlefront 2 storyline, I played it in the hardest difficulty right off the bat. And uh, as I was going along, finding all of the little side you know, crates that you find. And um, to me, it delivered at every point. And uh, especially considering that it's a first person shooter. With an FPS, you're not going to get Knights of the Old Republic length of (laughs) storyline or Star Wars, the old Republic or Witcher three or any traditional Skyrim, y RPG ish storyline. It's just not going to happen. But when you look at it, pound for pound for a first person shooter, it delivered a lot of not just storyline, but um, an underlying glimpse as to what was going on at the time of the end of return of the Jedi. And then you know, after that shortly thereafter, and then some long-term, I think they did it justice. And uh, they added to the little bits, they added little bits to the big picture that we already knew. And that was critical in the storytelling um, coming, coming across believable as opposed to you know some other star Warsy stuff that we'll talk about later, so as far as the p v e was concerned, <laughs> we just lost Silas uh as far as the p v e was concerned, I thought they did a phenomenal job with it, and I had no complaints i did I did see some folks uh in the Twitter feed and come into the stream, and they said it was awful and I, I couldn't disagree more. And the reasoning behind it was that it was too short. And I, I got to come back again to uh, when's the last time you played a Call of Duty that had a storyline more than like eight hours, maybe 10 <clears throat> if you're looking for it. And I easily got 12 hours out of the main storyline in Battlefront 2 because I, I'm a Star Wars fan and I was looking for all the side stuff. And I was playing it on the hardest difficulty because I didn't want to whiz through it. Let's face it, if you play it on easy you can keep your eyes closed <laughs> and beat the game. Like So if people did had different expectations for it, um, my expectation was a traditional star Wars story that was going to add to the main story. And I think it completely delivered on that. As far as the PVP is concerned uh, I've enjoyed the PVP I've, I've liked what they've done to uh, effectively, Increase the fairness and consistency of the loot crate situation. I think there's a long way to go, especially with some of the legal judgments uh, in other countries about uh, loot crates. Um, But it was a nice way uh, of hopefully turning the tide on, on what could potentially be bad business practice. As far as the PVP itself was concerned, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I thought it was a lot of fun, and you've got this pretty heavy grind to uh, get the items that you want and get the items that you need. Granted, I don't agree with everything that the system has to offer, but the PvP play itself was, was wonderful. And like you said, the heroes and villains, when we played that together, that was my favorite thing to play. Before, it was clunky in Battlefront 1. There's long wait times. Once yeah, you get in a, rough. <laughs> in a solid group, you're in. You know, and a new mission pops up. You know, it's like 60 seconds tops, and you're into a new one, and you can, you know, play as your favorite hero that you've unlocked. The only downside I would say to the PvP maps outside of Heroes versus Villains is uh, a bit of flow and pathing. It felt uh, in some areas that the free roam wasn't as free to roam. And uh, and you're, you're kind of getting pushed back into these points. Whereas in Battlefront one, when you're on Hoth, it's like you're open. You've got this entire map, you know, to, to move in, uh, regardless of, um, where you spawn here, your spawn is restricted and you have to stay within this certain area. Uh, If you go out of it, then you get a little 10 second timer that boots you out and that kind of thing. Uh, Which is okay. I saw that 10 second timer quite a bit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it's okay to keep everybody compact. I see why they did that. But the to, in my opinion, a majority of the maps weren't pathed properly or, and they don't flow properly um, because of their size and adding that restriction uh, further exacerbates that issue. Uh, but the PV play, PvP play itself, I thought, was phenomenal. Uh, I, and they come out with some new maps, and I, I think they'll probably address that. But uh, the PvP as a whole, <clears throat> I really did enjoy it.
0: Mm. I, I have to say I pretty much... What little i played of the, of the pvp i know you you played more of it than i did i can definitely attest to and agree um to pretty much all of your comments good and bad um and especially with with the maps like i said there was a few times where i definitely got that little timer and i'm like what 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 <laughs> <laughs> but outside of that um like you said as far as the fluidity of the controls and and how it played it, that was good so since tweaking it could definitely be a lot better um however there is a big thing you know with the whole situation again with like the loot crates and stuff really i think um they really took a hit with uh, with all that happening um it was mm-hmm. probably maybe it was a calculated risk on their end because other types of games were kind of having that kind of thing in it and so maybe whether it was ea or you know Whoever in the in the chain that that made this decision, whether it was developer, publisher, both, whatever, somebody made this decision, and you know people were not happy with it at all. And, well, when the internet's unhappy, things
1: roar. <laughs> you know, <Apparently> the, the <laughs> threats roll in. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy.
0: Um, you know, in, in on one hand, I get it. You know, um, but on another, it's a game. Um, one thing I think not, that I'm going to defend loot crating or in game monetization. And you and I've had kind of uh, some topics, you know, on this before where we've kind of discussed a little bit about DLCs and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, there's a fine line and, and we've discussed this before with DLCs and, and good practice and then just outright money grabbing. And you got to be careful because you go too far one way and people are not going to be happy. Um, so, it's still one of them things you got to be careful what you do and something like that. It just, you just crapped on a lot of people's cheerio, Cheerios. And now this <laughs> game that while it does have some flaws overall, pretty solid. But I think when you already have this problem on top of it, people are already coming at it in a negative mindset. And so I think that just kind of inflated any other issues that it has. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I think sometimes, You know, we get a little carried away like that in our mindset, whether it's it's a game or movie or whatever. And, you know, and it just, you know, sometimes we got to take a step back and see, you know, do you enjoy it for what it is or do you just walk away, you know? Um <laughs> and um, you know, like I said, my my again p- part of it might be because my expectations for Battlefront two after the first one were a little bit less. <laughs> I'll admit it. Um, but the story part, it it came through for me. The story for me was you know all all that I hoped for. So I'm I'm happy with it as far as that goes. Um, now the MP and stuff, of course, is where a lot of people got it for. So if there's some issues there, they definitely need to be you know um worked on and tested to But uh, I guess what I was kind of leading into for you, Sage, is do you feel that you know all the the negative that came out of the loot crate thing? Do you do you feel that, that affected the game a lot, or you know, what's your thoughts on that?
1: I feel it it uh, affected it profoundly. Uh, there's there were popular. Uh, voices in the division community that have, that have branched out and I'll, I'll mention who it is. It's skill up skill up is, has been doing division content forever, but he's branched out into many games. He's, he's got a tremendous following and, um, uh, his thoughts on the matter were very clear. And it seemed that people uh, were taking some of his thoughts, even a step further by even purchasing the game. You were supporting the loot crate mentality and, um, here's the thing. I don't take life quite that seriously. I get it. I get it. We have principles and we have integrity. I'm not going to buy the loot crates, but I, I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater either. It's star Wars. And I want to play it. That doesn't mean they're, <laughs> they're going to get my 60 bucks, but they're not going to get my additional funds because I'm buying loot crates to have an advantage in PVP. There's a difference. Now, if you decided that it was so underhanded and, and uh, lacked uh, integrity altogether is completely coothless and don't want to support them anymore as a gamer. I, I totally understand that where the line stops is where gamers start attacking other gamers who make the decision to purchase it without um, you know what they do with their money and they do with their time is completely up to them. But you know, if they're still going to enjoy the game, then um Uh, Without purchasing the loot crates, then you know I don't think that that's uh, beyond their prerogative to do that, and I don't think that that affects their sense of justice or integrity um, to do so. So, it it, the fact that it got down to such fine lines as gamers that we actually began to infight and start taking sides over this issue, um, distracted from anybody. You know, there's the observers that are outside of those two or three groups that are watching this, and now because they see the conflict, they don't want anything to do with the game. And they're really, they're really selling themselves short on a, a tremendous experience. That I think about the people that worked on this game, the graphics artists, the the uh, the voice actors and actresses. Uh, there's so much that went into making this game, and they all did it, yes, because it's their job, but it's also their passion, they, they loved the star Wars universe. And I kind of felt like it was was kind of letting, letting them down in the sense that they spent all of this time on working on something that we would really enjoy. And the storyline is fantastic. Can we give the artists a chance? Like, what about the artists that worked on this? It wasn't just some faceless company that made the game. There's people behind it. So anyway, I think the fact that we have to, to, to get down to, to brass tacks on this into and, and such detail um, shows that this really inflamed and infuriated the community to a point where the fight itself turned people off from purchasing the game. And it, and it hurt it, uh, let alone the, the loot crate debate as a whole under one roof and whether or not underneath that you should purchase the game or completely boycott the game altogether. <laughs> it was, it was a mess. Uh, I don't You're hurting yourself if you haven't tried the game or at least get it when it comes on sale. You know, if that eases your conscience a bit, but uh, I think it was a fantastic game and the, the, the people that created it did a, an amazing job. It's, it's well worth being in your game library, but it definitely split the community.
0: Yeah. And with that, another thing that has split communities, also star Wars. the movie star wars the last jedi now you actually saw that i think like opening like the night before opening day right
1: uh yeah i saw that that, that, you you, you saw saw it
0: thursday night or whatever because i saw it friday morning on opening day now if you've been anywhere on the internet and typed in the word star wars the first things that pop up are very extreme opinions on the Last Jedi, uh, especially if you go on to YouTube. Um, there, uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of, a lot of hate, <laughs> a lot of hate, mm. um, and an extreme. Ex- there's some really pissed off people, um, and I get it. I have my own issues. <laughs> Um, not so much the movie as a whole, but just how some things were handled and some changes that are just kind of make you scratch your head and go, what? That didn't serve a purpose. Um, so there, there's a lot of things to uh, to discuss here. I know Sage definitely has some, uh, some thoughts, um, but I think I'm going to at least get the ball rolling here. We'll open up this.
1: Disclaimer, of- there may be spoilers here. So if you haven't seen Star Wars yet. Uh, go see Star Wars and then come right back to this episode and then later submit your opinion to us on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. But spoilers ahead.
0: Yeah. Spoilers andor things you may or may not like. Okay. First up, like I said, um, <laughs> community is very split. There are some people that absolutely love the movie, they think it's, you know, fantastic. And I will say this from a visual standpoint, they're fucking amazing. Okay, they did a really good job visually. Agreed. Like, yeah, and you you nailed some Star Wars look. No, no problem. Um, including a, um, you know, there's a few several scenes where, um, you know, say toward the end, the whole light speed trick, and all the ships and you know, cool explosions and things. Nice. Granted, there's <laughs> there's that. That's one thing that didn't entirely make sense because. Uh, that whole maneuver was kind of like, if that worked, why didn't anybody kamikaze
1: sooner? There were other ships available.
0: There, there were also seven previous Star Wars movies, <laughs> none of which did anybody attempt that. So, granted, maybe some, maybe something new with the way light speed works. I don't know, but it's just kind of like, all right. But you know, whatever we we can forgive that. It looked pretty awesome, so you know, whatever you know, we can we can forgive forgive that shiz. Okay, but opening up, okay. <laughs> you know, the movie starts off. You know, you, you know your t- your typical Star Wars thing. Um, you know, you get to see Finn and and all that, sh- or, or not Finn, but uh, Poe. Excuse me. And you know that's all well and good, and he's being his usual, you know, uh, renegade self uh, for the most part, although. God, how do I even get into all this? There just feels like the characters were...
1: (sighs) This is a very intense subject for both of us.
0: (laughs) Yes, it is. Okay. I just feel like, okay, The Force Awakens, we didn't see a whole lot of Poe. Okay. And we do see more of him-ish in this movie. I don't really want to say we see a whole lot more of him, but we do see more like he has a little bit more of a standing role in this movie, um, which is good. Cause you know, you kind of felt like he was like somewhat important, but then um, you know, you have characters like Finn who in the force awakens, he was like your, your other lead character right next to, you know, right next to Ray, you know, you had your, you know, he's your other main lead good guy over here. And then you had, you know, of course, Kylo and stuff was your, your lead bad and all that stuff. But then you come into this movie and you're expecting, well, you know, there's going to be quite a bit of him. And there is sort of. But without any real reason. <laughs> Most of his parts. And and, and I feel bad for, for the actor on this one. Um, you know, just because his character, I feel like, is. And I realize it's a different director. But if how do I put this? It feels like a lot of the stuff that granted while I didn't agree with everything Abrams did in force awakens, I feel he balanced it as well as he could given the old star Wars community and how passionate we tend to be about the original trilogy. And even the, the prequels, you know, there's love hate there too, but I think he did a good job of balancing that out and then trying to, you know, set the precedent for starting a new chapter and introducing new characters. And I think he balanced it well enough to keep everybody happy in force awakens so i i you know that movie i enjoy but you know and then you're looking forward to this one thinking they're going to build on a lot of things and then i feel like in the last jedi they took a lot of what abrams was building at and things he was doing and they're like yeah fuck that and threw it out the window <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. i mean if i were wrong here <laughs> oh i don't think so i but, yeah i'll wait continue <laughs>
0: Okay, so not that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I was really, to be honest, I was really felt like they were hinting at, I'm with Finn that like there was something between, he was trying to, he had a thing for, for, you know, for Ray. Okay. At least it seemed like that in Force Awakens. Yeah. Right?
1: It seemed like that a little bit. And
0: then I get it, you know, things change, stuff happens. And then in this one, there's not really much thought given to her, and he's hanging out with Rose on some pointless little mission, essentially. They just, okay, we're doing this so he has screen time. Okay, this guy used a lightsaber, fought Kylo Ren a little bit in the last movie, and then in this one, he's like a side character. Okay. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Misuse of 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 a of a, of a of a good character. I happen to like um, John Boyega in the in the first one. I think he does a, a good job with the character, and you know I like what he does, and he does a good job in this movie with what he's given and what they had him doing. <laughs> and I'm trying not to do too many spoilers, but there are going to be a few here. I'm just trying to <laughs> not to do too much. But it just feels like his character is really undercut in this film. I mean, he does have a scene with. Um, phasma okay captain phasma another character misused okay because in the first film you're thinking okay there's a reason why this character she's a female stormtrooper for one how many female stormtroopers have you seen in freaking star wars yeah you hear that not many okay (laughs) and number two she's got different armor from the rest of them she's got a cape and stuff she looks cool as shit and she stands out in every single shot Okay, so you have this character, she stands out, and they're presenting her in Force Awakens as like, you know, she's fucking badass, okay? Then you have The Last Jedi. She has a couple-minute fight scene with Finn, and then with some assistance, dies a fiery death.
1: Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well... Vaguely. (laughs) Vaguely,
0: yeah. Yeah, well, into defla- you know, well, we know Star Wars people can survive, but still, as an overall whole, short usage and misused. I would have figured they would have used her and Finn a lot more in this in this film.
1: Yeah, she's uh, Finn's protagonist. Like that's a that's a boss fight waiting for the 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 end episode of the trilogy. Like that's that's where everything kind of comes together and gets tied and in. It-
0: yeah, and I would have liked to have seen more out of that character, you know? I would have loved to have seen more out of her and seen her in action, more doing, you know, even though she's a bad guy, I would have loved to have seen her doing more awesome stuff. Hmm. But we didn't get that. Now, and then you have, we'll, we'll move into a couple other things that I, it's a mixed feelings, there's good and bad. Okay, so I got that out of the way. I was very, very, very sad with the use of, of Finn and Phasma, just, Dropped the freaking ball. <laughs> All right, so that's that's out of the way. All right, Luke, I have Mark Hamill. Great job. Amazing actor. No matter what they do, he rolls with it. He does his job extremely professional. And in, in, with what he was given, he definitely did. He, he did amazing in this movie. Good actor. But what they did with the Luke character is... I just, I get what they were getting at, but given if you reference the past movies and how Luke was to think that, yeah, that kind of thing would would bother him, but just make him turn into a gigantic hermit, worse than Obi Wan Kenobi in in you know the previous Star Wars films. Now, I mean, Obi Wan Kenobi was a freaking hermit on Tatooine, but even he still had some. Living things on the planet besides little creatures, you know, he was still somewhat in existence and he didn't completely cut himself off. And he went through the freaking Clone Wars and to fight his best friend and stuff. Okay. And then you got Luke over here. Guess I understand, you know, Kylo was, he sensed the evil and stuff and he, for a second, thought about killing him. And yeah, that's going to like mess with you, but not to where you puss out. They they really changed Luke's character. That kind of bothered me a bit. <laughs> so you saying he, sh-
1: he should have killed him there?
0: No, but as far as how he acted afterwards and just completely cutting himself off from the force and abandoning uh, basically the entire universe, hmm. you know, um, you know, I mean, yeah, we've seen before, like in even in Return of the Jedi, you know, Luke's. You know, he struggled with anger, just like most Jedi, you know, the whole Jedi thing do, you know, when he was fighting Vader and he got angry, shot his hand off and he stopped when the anger got to a certain point, he stopped himself. So I think that's kind of what they were trying to call back to in a way. But then at the same time, how come he didn't move on?
1: Old weaknesses resurfacing. Yeah.
0: You know, but then he, you know, he completely cuts himself off and he just like, you know, after, yeah, maybe for a little while, but eventually he would try to do something. You know what I'm saying? It just seemed kind of out of character, at least from the the Luke that we, that we knew.
1: If you look at, uh, you look at Yoda and his exile was for a reason, you know, the dark side permeated the galaxy. And uh, so he had to go to the planet, to a planet that had the greatest availability of light side, um, to feel things out. And that was, that was again, from my perspective, a, an over, an overseer keeping an eye on, on a greater scene of what's going on. So his exile had purpose. Um, Obi-Wan's exile had purpose. He was looking over Luke and protecting him uh, from the empire because there was a hope. And in a sense, Yoda was overlooking Obi-Wan and Luke, you know, the, the final hopes for the Jedi order, Luke Skywalker, Things didn't go his way, and so he exiled himself. Without a further thought, seems very anti-Luke to me. And Hamill himself said that that wasn't my Luke. You know, he's like that's uh, maybe that's Jake Skywalker, but that's not Luke Skywalker. I don't think he would have made that decision. Uh, granted, he went into exile, but if it was to, if it was for a greater purpose or a plan, or he was he was trying to sense uh, another force. User, with uh, an aptitude towards the light side, and I had I had honestly thought that that was the point of all of the buildup. And uh, Force Awakens was we we're waiting for him to discover Ray just to, to discover this hope that he had been you know perhaps watching or guiding her with a with a forcey hand to towards him, and instead he was an old man throwing a temper tantrum uh, most of the time. Uh not my Luke. <laughs> not yeah. my Luke. His his uh, the whole the whole thing felt like it was it was a shock value. Decisions were made for shock value and B to introduce new characters. We see what happened to Snoke. We see the mission that Finn went on. Finn goes on this pointless mission at the end of it, basically to introduce a protagonist, which is this this crypto uh, safe cracking, uh, bounty hunter type mentality. Uh, that's going to be the new protagonist because you know, what happened to Snoke happened to Snoke again, maybe they've got something planned in the next episode where Snoke comes back. But at this point, there's another shock value move that seems to have derailed whatever JJ Abrams was trying to put together on top of that, the choose for the choice for producer. I'm not going to go through (laughs) what amazingly incredible, just fantastic shows that this guy has put out. Just Google it. Do yourself a favor. Google the producer (laughs) and see what amazing piles of crap that he has put out. I'm not saying that he's awful. I'm saying that he was the wrong pick. And the reason why we have this lack of, of fluid, motion from from one movie into another is because we change directors we've got uh jj <laughs> abrams had this nice thing set up with a lot of potential very bland very almost doctor who and they make a new doctor who um a new actors playing the who they really pull back on everything that first season and you just you kind of got to wade through it as he's figuring out who he is and you go along with him on that process and kind of learn about him as he's learning about himself. There was, there was none of that. There was none of that because you had two conflicting ideas. It's like, Oh, Hey, I see everything JJ did here. That's really nice. Fuck you. Uh, Everything that you said right on point. And I think it comes down to having a director, not, sorry, not a producer, but you have a director that, um, that was going for shock value. That was going for introducing new characters very lazily, introducing new characters, and um, and very lazily introducing conflict for them to overcome to reach that end game. What?
0: If a millennial produced this movie, this is what we get.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> there are better choices. I see what Disney's trying to do, and uh, but the fact that they felt that they had to change directors, or maybe J.J. Abrams really didn't want, you know, to do it again. I don't really remember, but um, I don't think they picked somebody that was was the right pick overall. Wasn't the movie good though? I mean, I enjoyed it
0: overall. I mean, if you if you try to look at it from without you know picking too much apart certain things. Overall, yes, it was it was an enjoyable movie. It was worth watching. It just coming from a Star Wars standpoint, it was just in continuing things. There's things are definitely misplaced. Um and you're talking about what happened with Snoke. Um that's another point of contention I kind of have. And and they they can they could have a plan for that. Maybe it was some sort of a false imagery or something as far as how that went down, whatever. But it was cool how they did it. I had to, the, the effects were great. <laughs> yeah. On on that point. Again, the visuals and of course um the battle with the Praetorians and stuff uh with Kylo and Ray was that was great. That was that was great. And them fighting over Luke's old lightsaber and all that stuff, that was fantastic. Yeah. That was great. Uh, but again the thing with Snoke it kind of goes like, again, you know, talking about, you know, throwing away, you know, J.J. was building this up and then it's like, oh, let's throw this away. It, it, there's a lot of questions um, because if, if he was going to be a disposable character like that, why lead have so much mystery beforehand and keep bringing it up? Just have him there and leave it alone. I mean, look at in the original trilogy. A lot of people was like, well, you know, Palpatine, the Emperor. No, the first three movies, you didn't. All you knew about the Emperor was he was the Emperor. He was bad. He controlled Darth Vader. And he had a lot of strong force power. Nobody jacked with him. Okay, he was he was your he was your mafia boss. Okay, that's all you needed to know. They didn't need to insinuate nothing. They didn't. They left it alone. He was perfectly fine just like that. Now you get the prequels. Of course, it explains a lot of stuff. But before that, if they would have done that with Snoke, maybe you know him going the way he went wouldn't have been so. Because it'd be like, okay, well, he was bad, but still, I don't know because they. They push the point that he's this all-powerful Sith Lord, basically. He can do all this stuff. He can, you know, apparently read Kylo's every thought, but then...
1: He really can't. (laughs) But he can. But he really can't.
0: So now either that says one of two things. Either A, Kylo is more powerful than he's been given credit for and was deceiving Snoke for a long time, which actually might be interesting if they go that way with it. But at least it would explain it. Show us, give us something as to a reason, you know.
1: I wouldn't say that we're impatient for answers, but the process in which we got to this point makes little sense. Yeah, and that's uh, the thing. And at the end of it, I mean, it's littered all over the internet. I'm just going to say it. We kill Luke. Fine. All right. All right, he becomes one with a force because he's done this massive use of force power to project himself on a planet, a galaxy far away to which is actually rebels- a Sith ability, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so-
0: well, not anymore because it's not all those stories are canon that they're drawing from, so never mind. Apparently,
1: there's a light side of version of that ability. I wasn't going to go there, but I'm glad you did so. <laughs> So what had happened to Luke, uh, maybe, but anyway, so that was an impressive feat of power. And then he becomes one with the force and, and, uh, it felt like it did feel like a very middle movie, um, with lots of twists and turns and shock value of the game of Thrones factor, killing off people left and right. And, uh, take you on wildly pointless rides, um, that a new hope would cringe at. Um, <laughs> Alec Guinness, Obi-Wan would shake his head and hang it in shame. You, overall, the experience was fun. Uh, but when we got to the end at the movie theater, we got up and uh, with the rest of the people in the movie theater and not one, you know, when you go and see a star Wars movie and everybody cheers at the beginning because it's at ah, it's star Wars and the the credits roll. And you know how you get it to the end and everybody in the movie theater is like, whoa, and they're cheering and it was great and we can't see the next one. There wasn't a head in the house that wasn't looking at the floor as we silently left the theater.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty, yeah my, my theater experience was about the same.
1: It was good. And I, it's not going to stop me from buying it. But I don't think the way that it was presented um, was done well, and I I can't help but just place all of the blame firmly on this director. Go Google his previous projects, please. Do yourself a favor. I don't know why he was chosen to direct a Star Wars film, even though he was a big fan. I don't know. It was really cool to see Yoda come back in force form and kind of have a little chat and pick me up with with Luke, though. Uh, getting yeah. to see the old Jedi Temple. Uh, there were some great call-outs in there, not to mention Carrie Fisher's dog is in there somewhere, which is cool. Little shout-out for Carrie Fisher. Uh, so yeah, overall, Carrie I mean, Fisher. The, the pacing of the movie felt good, uh, more or less, if you're not as concerned about the content of, of it, uh, if you're a Star Wars fan and you know a lot of lore, like Silas and I do, ignore the lore and... Appreciate the pacing for what it is. I guess you could say it's a middle movie. I do feel like Empire Strikes Back was better than yes this.
0: Yeah, there was something else I could add in there, but you you brought up the late Carrie Fisher, and oh boy. <sighs> okay. <laughs> just, okay, you know Star sighed. Wars is, is is you know. You know, she's, she's well known for Star Wars, of course, you know, she's done many, many other things, but she, she's a good actress and everything. And of course, as we all know, before everything was said and done with Last Jedi, she passed away. So one would expect that at some point in The Last Jedi, she would pass or there would be some sort of scene. Now, granted, obviously, she must have shot all of her scenes before she passed or something. I don't know. But she's still alive at the end of the damn movie. Her character. Now, how are you going to fix this? the next one. When the actress is no longer with you. You're going to have to write her out somehow. I feel like they should have found a way to. That's the right word I'm looking for. Gracefully done something with her character. So that way it was like pay homage to the actress that gave that character life. You know what I'm saying? And yet now here she is still going to be alive. So what are you going to do? You get a CG and a person to, that looks a lot like her or or what for the next one? Like, don't do that. Please don't freaking do that.
1: It's not like they didn't have the opportunity to do it gracefully. Yeah. Now, Hey, the surprise in the movie theater when she does her force pull to get back in the ship, she's protected herself with the force. She's out in open space because they blew up the bridge, and she force pulls herself back in after protecting herself with the force. All of that makes sense to me. Again, she was she's a, a force to be reckoned with, but she's force neutral and she applies all of her mental powers and her ability to sense things into diplomacy and, and running the, the rebellion. She had no interest in becoming a Jedi, but that doesn't mean that during all of her time that she wouldn't have had a little bit of force training with uh, Luke on protection. As a matter of fact, I would have, I would have imagined that he would have insisted on a little bit. Um, yeah. But uh, as we see at the very end of the movie that uh, a little boy is able to use the force to pick up a broom And, you know, that's how it ends, and that's wonderful. Uh, You don't have to have formal training to be able to force push and pull. So uh, I thought that was – a. everybody in the theater when that happened was truly shocked and actually kind of elated that he was – that she was still alive and continued to be a part of the story. But at the end, you're like, wait a minute. Just like what you said, Silas. How are they – huh? What do we – what are we going to do in the next movie? Is it going to be one of those? Well, uh, we have bad news. Uh, she was she was on her way with a convoy to uh, visit this other city to do some uh, some diplomacy uh, type uh, hearings, and her ship was destroyed. And everybody's going to go. Oh no, that's so sad. Who's going to lead us now? Yeah. Hmm.
0: Well, last I heard, J.J. Abrams kiss to do the next movie. Lucky
1: him! <laughs> why, <laughs> yes, you did you? the
0: first one, and now you're doing the last one. But you got to fix the mess that happened in between.
1: There's a reason why J.J. Abrams is coming back, folks. Uh, you know yeah. he, that, that director can say anything that he wants about being able to take the flack, but he would be doing this next one if he did. If Disney felt he did a good job, so yeah. Pff- All right. So on top of that, like if JJ were going to fix it, the biggest fu to this guy to me would be uh, you. (laughs) You're you're zooming in uh, to this little hut, and it appears to be the same island that Luke was on. And you zoom in through the hut, and you see this this figure underneath this old dusty blanket, and the dusty blanket pulls away, and it's Luke. And you're wondering to yourself, is it a vision of the past? Is it a current vision of the future? What's going on? Why do we see Luke? And you see Luke burst out of his slumber and wake up, realizing that everything he had just seen was a future force vision. And that movie didn't count at all.
0: (laughs) You would have the loudest cheers ever in a movie theater.
1: (laughs) It would be pure, bloody elation. No, nobody would be in their seat. And, Am I wrong for hoping that that happens? God, I hope not. We would like to thank everyone who took the time to listen to our podcast. If you'd like to hear more, you can follow us on Twitter at Silas and Sage for upcoming releases, as well as links to our previous shows on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. This has been My Life in Games with Silas and Sage, and we'll see you in two weeks.